Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. I'm so glad to be with you again two times in one month. This is a new record and it's exciting. But today is five minutes of fire and we have some fire to throw at you today. It's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. So I hope you're ready. And I only have four minutes and 40 seconds left. So let's get started. So this year, Pastor Chad challenged us to pray about what we want to see God do more of in our lives. So of course, I started praying, God, I want to see you do this more in my life and this and this and this and this. And you know what? God stopped me and he was like, Cassie, listen, you want me to do this and this and this? You got a whole checklist for me, but I need you to do something for me before I do something for you. And I was like, oh, all right, God, what's it going to be? He goes, I need you to be more obedient in anything that I ask you to do. And I was like, um, that doesn't sound very fun. Now, God, that's not what I was praying about for you to do more of in my life. He goes, if you want to do more, I need more obedience from you. And I was like, Okay, now listen, I'm a rule follower. Rules are good. Rules are our friends. That is my mantra. That is what I believe. I will obey the rules. I will do whatever you ask because I am terrified of disobedience. That's just how I am programmed. That's how I'm a perfectionist. But listen, obedience isn't about not breaking the rules. Obedience is about our faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, in Jeremiah 7:23 it says, "I also gave this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Do all that I command and good things will happen to you." Now obedience, it's a big topic and one that I can't dive completely into today, but if you get anything out of today, here's what I want it to be. That obedience requires surrender, full and complete surrender. If you want God to do more in your life, then you have to surrender everything in your life to him for him to do more, or he's not going to be able to do more. Now Every aspect of your life needs to be given to God with open hands, not 75% of it, and you keep 25% of it. 100% of every plan that you made, every aspect of your life needs to be given over to God. Obedience is about completely trusting in him in every area of your life, in your calling, in your giftings, with your family, with your career. But disobedience on the flip side is leaning on our own desires, leaning on our own direction. And let me tell you, every time I lean on my own direction, it doesn't get me very far. But every time I lean on God's direction, it gets me farther than I could have ever imagined. But our obedience shouldn't be driven by fear. It should be driven by our love for the Lord. Because guess what? Obedience draws us closer to God, while disobedience keeps us further away from Him. Now, being, dis- being obedient doesn't mean that we will never face difficult situations. But what it does mean is that we're obedient to God, trusting that he's already gone before us. He's already gone in that situation. He knows what's going to happen and that he's going to work everything out for our good, like it says in the Bible in Romans 8.28. And guess what? That's a promise, and God doesn't break his promises. Now, he remi- it reminds me of a guy in the Bible named Noah. And I'm going to give you a very, very, very quick background on Noah. Okay, the world was wicked. God decided to destroy it with a flood. So he decided to give Noah the task of building a giant boat. Why? Because Noah was obedient. Noah and his family were the only ones on earth who loved God and obeyed him. 
And so Noah was building this boat, and he was ridiculed, and he was harassed, and he was made fun of. But he continued to build the boat through his obedience because he knew his disobedience would mean death. Now, why were people making fun of him? Why was he ridiculed? Because at this point in the Bible, they'd never even seen rain. So why was he building something to flow on water that was going to fall from the sky when they'd never even seen rain before? But it was his obedience that saved his life. Maybe you're sitting here today, and your fully surrendered life, and your obedience is what's going to save yours. Now listen, God doesn't punish us, but he allows us to go through tests and trials to strengthen our faith, to build it. He wants us to lay down our burdens. Now, are you going to? I'm a planner. I want to plan out every day of my life. But if I continue to plan out every step, everything that I'm going to do, I don't allow space for God to actually do more in my life when I have everything planned out. Now listen, when I try to plan out my whole life and not let God do it, I am walking in disobedience. It may not look like sin like everyone else's, but it is sin because it is pulling me farther away from my creator who has plans before I was even born that to change the world for him. Now I don't know about you, but are you going to let disobedience, let the enemy have a foothold in your life? Or are you going to obey God and spend forever with him? Come on, give it up for Pastor Cassie. Woo! Man, these guys are bringing the fire today, right? We are learning how to be obedient and surrendered to God, and God is working in our lives, and I am so pumped today to bring to you our second five minutes of fire speaker, Don Twyford. Don is our prayer team director, along with his awesome wife, Vicki, here at LifeGate. They have been part of the LifeGate family for about eight, nine years. He's a powerful evangelist and speaker, a dad, a grandpa, and an all-around great guy. Come on, let's give it up for Don Twyford. The word that stands out to me this year is the gospel. The gospel is the most valuable truth in all the world. For the gospel is what can change the eternal destination for any person. There's no other knowledge on earth greater than the gospel. It is so valuable that God said, that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. The word gospel means good news. If there's good news, there must be bad news. And the bad news is that everyone has the sin problem and it separates us from God. But the good news is, and there's seven parts of the good news. The good news is, is that Jesus was born of a virgin. He became one of us. God became flesh. He lived a sinless life marked by miracles, signs, and wonders, proving he was sent by God by fulfilling ancient prophecies. He died on the cross as a substitute for our sins to pay the price for my sins and your sins. He was buried. On the third day, God raised him from the dead 
that was, and that also was prophesied by ancient prophecies, declaring him to be the Son of God with power. After 40 days of showing himself to be to his disciples, proving he was alive, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. He promised one day soon he will come again to this earth and set his throne in Jerusalem and he will bring peace and justice. Wow, that's good news. The gospel gives hope, peace, and security. The gospel brings salvation that begins now and as we put our faith in him will be completed when he returns. The reason this has meant so much to me is because as we have focused on more this year, it makes me realize how much more everyone needs to hear the gospel. The rich, the poor, the depressed, the wayward one, the hopeless one, the one whose marriage is on the edge of breaking up, the gospel of Jesus can and will make the difference. Why? Because the gospel The good news of Jesus, when listened to and surrendered to, will change anyone, everyone, from the inside out. When we see and hear the reports of God's mercies that that we've heard, that have been experienced, of answers to prayer that have been written on the word more, I think of how many more need to experience the gospel, the good news of Jesus. When I saw the face of a young woman who saw her name written on the back of the R, she knew we, LifeGate, had prayed for her, had been praying for her. She had not come to church in years, but when she saw that, her eyes filled with tears, and she began to come and listen to the gospel. Paul wrote the following verse in the letter to the Romans. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and to the uneducated. So I am eager to preach the good news. I feel that strong desire to do the same. Why? Because the power to change our life is in the gospel. This is what I know. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to save, to work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first who has a covenant with God and the Gentile who has no covenant with God. This good news, this good news, this good... Look at my shirt. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. I want everyone to hear the gospel so they can know how they can be right with God. They can be saved, healed, and delivered. To God be the glory, great things He has done. Come on, Don Twyford, come on, preaching that gospel today. I'm telling you, these guys are bringing the heat. Come on, you having fun, right? 
Man, and we are growing and learning together because we're learning to be obedient. We're learning how the gospel changes our life. And now I am so excited to introduce to you our next five minutes of fire speaker, our very own Pastor Jesse Taft. Come on, Pastor Jesse. She is the next step pastor here at LifeGate. She's been, her and her family and Forrest have been part of LifeGate for over 10 years now. They've been on the LifeGate staff for seven years now. This lady can sing, she can lead worship, and she's got the best laugh in all of LifeGate Church. I want you to give it up for Pastor Jesse. All right, well, my more for this year is to abide in Christ. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Abiding means that we spend intentional time with Jesus to grow closer to him. Does anyone ever feel like they need to do more good works just to draw closer to God? I know that I do. I know that sometimes I feel like I need to do more, serve more, be more generous, do more good works, essentially trying to prove my worth and produce my own salvation to draw closer to God. But the harder I strive, the more distant I actually grow from Jesus. You know, a lot of times I find myself striving when I'm feeling insecure in my position. If I don't trust God with my life, my choices, and where he has placed me, then I become insecure, and I want to prove to everyone, including God, that I deserve where I have been placed. But Jesus never said that it was our job to try and prove our worthiness to him through our works. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, when I'm striving, I lose focus of the gift. Ephesians reminds me that it is not by our works that we are saved or by trying to prove ourselves worthy to God. It is a gift. It can't be produced by our own strength or our attempt to make good works or show our worthiness. No amount of boxes being checked off will ever draw you closer to God. We can only grow closer by abiding in him. And that brings me to my main point, because in the abiding is where fruit is produced. Eternal fruit is only produced as we abide in Christ. We can't produce it on our own. John 15, 5 says that apart from God, we can do nothing. No amount of good works or trying to make our way on our own will ever produce the everlasting fruit that God desires. And this reminds me of our missions trips because every year, Forrest and I put this team together of individuals that are in all different walks of the relationship with Christ. Some of them have been walking with Jesus forever, some are brand new, and some are just returning. But no matter where they are in their journey, our goal is the same. We want to see them discipled, and we want to see them produce eternal fruit. So a couple months prior to a trip, we begin our training. We do devotionals together. We pray together. We read spiritual growth books. We have accountability partners, and we grow in our discipleship because our desire is to see our team learn how to abide in Christ. We do this a few ways by asking our team members to be intentional with their time, being in the word and prayer, making that a priority every day. We teach them about examining their heart and asking Jesus to reveal to them anything that might be separating them from God or their purpose. And we focus on the greatest commandment, which is to love others as Jesus has loved us. And then when we go on the missions trip, we're ready to serve and see the fruit of what we have prepared for. 
As we focus on these things during our training, we begin to see what happens when we abide in Christ. See, when we abide in Christ, God begins to do this pruning process to draw us closer to him. I don't know if any of you have some plants out there, but I have a ton of plants, and I know sometimes I have to go and prune them. I have to go and take off all of the dead leaves and branches and throw them away because they're actually stealing life from the plant. And when we do this, we actually see something that grows fuller and has new life because we're removing what's not benefiting them any longer. And the same is true for us when we abide and allow God to do the pruning in our lives. We grow fuller in Christ and become closer to him. Through that process, we also see the fruit of the spirit becomes more evident. We have more joy. We have more kindness. We have more patience and more self-control. And as we abide, we fall more in line with the will of God. And therefore, our prayers become prayers that are aligned with the heart of God. In John 15, 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I'm not talking about temporal selfish prayers. I'm talking about heart aligned prayers with God, spiritual things happening. On our mission trip back in March, we got to see the fruit of our prayers answered on the trip. I saw my friends Robert and Cynthia grow in their leadership skills, and they rallied our teams together on all of our projects. My friend Nick and Cammie grew in their faith as they prayed for healing over a homeless man's injured arm. And my friend Jacob felt the call to lead men and help them grow in their relationship with Christ as a direct result of praying the heart of God and aligning with him. See, as we go through the abiding, we notice that our hearts become more tied to God and what he desires, and we get to see the fruit of what happens whenever we are abiding with him. Through the lessons of abiding, the pruning process, the fruit of the spirit growing within the team, and the prayers we aligned with the heart of God, we got to see lives changed in Virginia. And through that, we knew that we were becoming better disciples of Jesus, So if you feel like you're in a place of striving and trying to prove yourself to God and man, stop and take a moment to simply be present with Jesus and abide. Go ahead and abide. Come on. Great stuff, man. I'm telling you, all this stuff, it just connects together, man. If we are abiding in Christ, then we're going to want to be more obedient. And the more obedient we are to God, the more the gospel, the good news is going to be able to change our lives. And so I know that God is working in you today. And I'm so pumped about our last speaker. Save the, well, maybe not save the best for last, but one of the best for last. Pastor Joshua, our worship pastor. I'm not saying you're not the best. I'm saying the other three are awesome too. That's what I'm saying. All right. Pastor Joshua, we love him. He's our worship pastor. Been part of the LifeGate team for almost seven years now. An incredible husband and dad. Loves the sports and the best shoe game in all of LifeGate. I want you to give it up for Pastor Joshua. Oh man, we're going to do some counseling tomorrow after all that. Uh, So the word God gave me for this year is faith. And faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And so when I got that word, I felt pretty good about that. I was like, God, I trust you. You know, I have no problem with that at all. But as I began to pray and just like dive into what the Lord uh, wanted for that word, I, I began to be brought to Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is this incredible chapter where it's referred to as the Hall of Fame of Faith. There's this incredible amount of people who have just been recognized and pointed out because they had just this incredible faith and trust in their God. 
And as we start with that, we begin to, uh, we first come to Abel. Abel was the son of Adam and Eve, and he was murdered. Woo! Faith! Yay! But then it goes to uh, Enoch, who was a man of faith. He was the father of Methuselah, the man who lived longer than anyone. And it says that Methuselah, because of his faith, was taken up by the Lord. He didn't have to die. He was taken straight to heaven. I was like, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. And then we go to Noah, who legitimately preserved mankind with his faith and obedience by building the ark. Pastor Cassie talked about that. And so it's like, let's go. Faith is sounding way more amazing. And then we start talking about Abraham, who was the father of the nation of Israel. He was promised a generation and an offspring that would literally outnumber the stars. His son Isaac and his grandson Jacob was also heirs to those promises, and his wife Sarah was partnering with him to have that carried out. And then there's Moses, who was, you know, in a basket, in the Nile, burning bush, like my people go, that guy. He would deliver his people into the promised land. And then as the chapter continues, it talks about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, and Samuel, and the prophets. These are heroes. They are kings. They are absolute, amazing, mighty people of God and critical in our faith walk. It says that they who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. That's what I'm talking about with faith. That is what I'm talking about. And then the chapter continues, and it says they, were, they suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Some were, were tortured, re refusing to accept release so that they might again rise to a better life. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what they promised. What? That is faith? God, are you sure faith is the word that you have for me this year? But the thing is, I think when we think about faith, we often think that it's this cozy, you know, get in a blanket by the fire with our favorite devotional type of journey, when really faith is this nitty-gritty, literally take you to the limits of your capacity journey that will literally just test the limits of what you are capable of. You begin to rack your brain. You question because you've been fighting the good fight. You have all these promises that God has given you, and you've been hanging on for so long, hanging on for so long to the point that you might even feel like you've missed it. But you begin to picture yourself as some of these people in this chapter, and you pray that, God, I don't want to live this life and not see the promises that you gave come to fruition. But I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. All of us have been given promises. A lot of us have had to wait, and a few of us have even had to wait to the point where we've missed it. But I think the concept that these heroes grasp, and that I hope that if you take anything from this morning, you take this, that we live by faith and not what we see with our eyes. 
Because his promises are not contingent upon your circumstances. His promises are not reliant on the state of the economy, your checking account, your past, your timing, or anything else that you think disqualifies you from the promises of God. And that same God who spoke a word to create the entire universe is the same God that spoke your promise into existence. And Jesus said in Matthew that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So do not lose hope. Do not lose faith. And I can't tell... Don't lose faith. What a powerful morning. What a powerful time in God's word. You know, maybe you're in this place and you're like, that was a lot. That was a lot of words. That was a lot of, a lot of information. That was a lot of scripture. But maybe you're in this place and you're like, but I want a word. I want a word. Maybe it's one of these words that was spoken today. Maybe it was obedience or abide or faith. Maybe it was gospel. That word's my word. I'm taking that. Maybe, that, maybe you're feeling that right now. Like, God wants more for me. What is it? Is it one of these words? Maybe even while you were in this place, you felt the Lord begin to just speak over you a different word. Maybe it was love or engage or forgive. Maybe it was step, step out, step up, step in. Maybe the Lord was saying, this is your word for the rest of the year. So throughout this room, let's just go ahead. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I believe just for a moment, we're going to sit right here in this presence and we're going to resonate with what we heard and what the words that were spoken and the, and the words of their more, what our pastor's words for, were for this, this year, more obedience, more gospel, more abide, more faith. Was that a word for you? Is that something the Lord is speaking over you in this time? Or do I need to obey more? Is there a way or an, a, an area of my life that I'm disobedient do I need to abide in your presence more? Do I need to abide? Do I need to, do I need to step out in faith and understand that the things that are being pulled away from me, the things that you're pruning in my life, is it for a reason? So that you can make me better and stronger? So that you can draw me closer to you? Am I supposed to abide? Maybe you're in this place and, and your word was faith. More faith. To step out in faith more, to speak life and love and encouragement to people around you, to have faith that He's going to use your voice to encourage and love on somebody else. What is it that He's speaking over you? Maybe it was gospel. Maybe it was salvation. Maybe it's for you to say, I've never given my heart and my life to the Lord, but today he is calling you towards him. The gospel is good news. The gospel is Jesus.